Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. Yes, that could mean you too. The workouts have been designed to fit into your life so you can move when you can. The 15 minutes you can squeeze in before work. The 20 minutes you get to yourself while the baby naps. The half hour you can spare at lunch. There's a routine for you no matter what your day looks like. A reminder as well, this is included in your Mum Mia subscription. If you are a Mum Mia subscriber, you already have access to Move. Download the Move app and log in with your Mum Mia login. Head to move.mamamia.com.au and use code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures. Just a quick warning before we get started that this episode talks about the Tooth Fairy, so you might want to pop your headphones in. Hello, I am Lee Campbell. And I am Tegan Atoli. And this is This Glorious Mess, the mother's group in your ears where judgment is left at the door. Tegan, this morning dropping my son to daycare, he said, Mummy, are you the boss of the world? <laughs> Did you say in my head? Yes, I am. I was like, well, no, because he wanted to know why he couldn't drive the car. And I said, because I'm not the boss. <laughs> you're the boss of his world. Yes. So that's probably why he's like, if, I, if you're the boss of my world, are you the boss of everyone else's that's exactly, world? And I was trying to explain to him. I said, oh, the police won't let you drive, buddy. You've got to wait till you're a big kid. <laughs> and he said, but aren't you the boss of the world? And I was like, no. And he's like, why not? And I was like, I'm just not. And he's like, well, you have to ask them. That's and I was like, so who's funny. them? He said, you have to ask them for you to be the boss of the world. And I was like, I don't really want that job. <laughs> That's so funny. Kids are weird, but you're right. Anyway, today we thought we'd discuss an article that we found really interesting on a technique called intensive parenting, which we read in The Atlantic by Nate G. Hilger. And of course, we'll also be sharing our nails and fails. So over the next few months, we're going to be touching on a range of different parenting styles. Some you might completely relate to and others might not be you at all. But joining the discussion, jump into our Mamma Mia family Facebook group and let us know what you think. So there's a really interesting article during the rounds from Mm. The Atlantic. Holly sent it to us, the OG host of this podcast, and she said, correct me if I'm wrong, but Lee is an intensive parent and Tegan is not. You should discuss. So we both read the article and had some really interesting points. The person that wrote it is a data scientist and economist, and they spent five years researching and writing a book about parenting and child development. So they've done all the research. And basically, they say that him and his wife never expected to be the type of parents that they have come to be. They're intensive parents. It was so funny because I was reading this article thinking, oh my God, this is so Lee and it's so not me. (laughs) So Holly was right. But we'll put it in the show notes. But it says data confirms that parents are right to seek out better neighbourhoods, better early care environments, better K-12 schools, smaller classrooms, health, behavioural problems, all that stuff, sleep, nutrition, blah, blah, blah. He talks about how, you know, he's always anxious about health and infections and rashes and all that sort of stuff and should the car seat facing forward or back yet? Like all these things actually do benefit your child in the long run. Yes, so research shows. So. It's funny because I read it and part of it was me and part of it wasn't. And please read the article because Tegan and I are going to break it down now. But Tegan, I want to hear your thoughts first as a not doing this kind of thing. Well, look, 
there's part of it where I'm like, sure, you can label this intensive parenting, but isn't this just parents wanting the best for their kids? Like, sure, doesn't every single parent want to live in the nice neighbourhood for the safety of their child, want to send them to the best school for the best development of their child? Like, isn't that just parenting? Like, that's not necessarily, you know, one way or the other. Like, in terms of putting in the effort for the research, Mm. sure. Like, does that make you more intensive? Maybe. You know, for me personally, I'm quite blind. Blase, but I felt like I wouldn't say you're blase. I'd just say you're relaxed. Yeah, which maybe appears blase. <laughs> but look, I consider all these things. Like, of course, I want the best for my kids. But I don't know. I actually found this article like a little bit problematic because I feel like for those people and parents that aren't in a position mm. to necessarily have the opportunity to live in the best neighbourhood or send their kids to the best school, does that make them shit parents? Yeah, it's very socioeconomic yeah. privilege. Yeah, and it's like no shit, Sherlock. Of course <laughs> giving your kids the best opportunities possible is most beneficial to your child. Yeah. So, sure, like thanks for reaffirming that, but how about all the parents that aren't in that position to do that? Are mm. they shit? No, mm. they're not. They're absolutely not shit. They're trying just as hard as an intensive parent mm. to get the best life for their kids, mm. but they might might not be able to do it in the same socioeconomic, yeah. you know. Universe. Exactly. Yeah. So I, like to me I felt like, you know, it's it's not a fair article because it's also just mentioning stuff that we all know. Like we all strive to seek the best and yeah. consider the best options for our children, but whether or not we're able to do that for whatever reason, you know, it's not necessarily up to the parent as to whether they can or can't. Yeah, what they can afford to have yeah. access to. It's interesting. The article said with intensive parenting, parents invest significant amounts of time, money and energy in raising their children. The proper approach in intensive parenting is defined as child-centered, expert-guided, emotionally absorbing, labor-intensive and financially expensive. Interesting, huh? And it says this article is in strong support of intensive parenting, arguing that the benefits long-term do pay off. So I totally agree with you. It brought me back to when we were hosting the show and I would talk about, because we went to Alexander's pediatrician every six weeks, <laughs> and you were like, we don't have a pediatrician, yes. we have a doctor when they're sick. Yes, this and, is a great example, actually. And that is absolutely part my privilege that we could afford sure. to go to that and yeah. a very much part my anxiety because yeah. I am an anxious parent. And you want reassurance in knowing information. Yes. Sure. But does that make me a better parent? Absolutely not. There's plenty of, you know, millions of families that yeah. would never see a pediatrician, but they're still the best mum and best dad that they can be. I read the article, you know, with a three and a half year old, and it's funny because I think I was a very intensive baby parent. Yes. Less so now. Now that my son is a person and has an opinion and argues and I give in because I'm tired, Yeah. I'm definitely not what they define as an intensive parent, you know. I do give the biscuits. I do, you know, let him get away with certain things that, you know, I if I was the definition of an intensive yeah. parent, I'd steer that course, you yeah. know. Rich, my husband, is definitely an intensive parent. He, for example, Alexander's been waking up at 4.45 and Rich will go to his room and say, no, back to bed a thousand times so that he doesn't learn the habits, blah, blah, blah. Whereas I'll go say, go back to bed for two minutes and then I'll say, fine, get in my bed. But it's so interesting because reading this, I actually feel like this is one 
kind of parenting that actually has the least effect on the child directly. Does that make sense? So no. a tiger mom is constantly on their kids' back. You know, you've got to do your homework. Yeah, you've got to practice. You've got to, you've got to do here. You've got to go better. So that affects the child's upbringing. You know, you've got a helicopter mom who hovers over their kids. So their actual experience of being a child mm. and their relationship with their parent yeah. is different. A yes. free-range parent, you know, go get messy in the mud, do whatever you want, come yes. home when you want, no worries. That affects the child's direct experience of childhood. This intensive parenting affects the parents' experience of parenting. In the long term, sure, the kids might have benefits of growing up in the nice neighbourhood, going to the nice school. But like you say, that's probably more access to a private school, access to, you know, the community and that's duh, right? Like that's a no-brainer. doesn't everyone strive for the best opportunities for their children? So I'm not sure we can even label this. Like isn't this just like goodwill parenting? Like we're wanting the best for our kids? It's really interesting because in the article they obviously talk about the best schools and all that sort of stuff and my husband and I still cannot agree on this. I went to a private school my whole time. He went to a public primary and then a private, I think only private, like 9, 10, 11 or whatever. Yeah. I really want Alexander to go to public. I think that it's really important for him to experience, you know, more cultures, more diverse people, people from different backgrounds. Yeah. My husband, on the other hand, really wants him to go to private for the reason in this article, because he's around, I guess, essentially, yeah. if you want to. He thinks it would be a bit like a more beneficial yeah, option. Yeah, because at yeah. the end of the day, let's call a spade a spade. It's a more wealthy crowd you know, you grow up with more opportunities, it's who you know, all that jazz. Whereas I just think, you know, the curriculum is what it is. Obviously, it comes down to the teachers, but I'm very pro-public but haven't been public. My husband has. So, yeah. yeah. I've been both. And it's funny that you say reading this article made you think of that comparison because Mm. I thought the same thing. I'm like, this is almost like a public school versus private school conversation. Mm. But it's like you can't compare because it does come down. It's like this comes down to the parents and the children. Yes. And you know what public and private comes down to the teachers and the school culture Mm -hmm. and where it might be located and who the principal is at the time and what children are in the class. But also so much of the child. I went to a private school. I was very average student. Yeah. I left halfway through year 11. I had terrible scores. Yeah. I was not an academic child. Yeah. I was really into creative stuff, but there wasn't a huge amount of creative yeah. stuff at that school. So I think a lot of it is nature versus nurture as well. Who is that kid? Sure. Are they in the right place? You know, you yeah. can't push them to be a doctor or a lawyer if they're yeah. going to be a guitarist. And I think that's what this article also made me realise. And, you know, it's database, it's research-based, so I understand, sure, the kids that are, have the opportunities in, you know, all these better-off positions, quotation, do benefit from it. Yes. However, there's heaps of kids that don't have those opportunities mm. that kill at life. Like yeah. they are so, so successful yeah. and All beautiful, people. kind people mm. and achieve and do whatever they, you know, wish to do in their life, mm. but that's not in the data. Do you want to know the bit I hated the most? It said that kids, you know, benefit exponentially from exposure to extracurricular opportunities in science, sports and the arts. And, of course, I'm going to let Alexander do all of the after school, like, whatever, but I'm just dreading because I've got two teenage nieces and all my sister-in-law does is go to dancing, go to chess, go to to debating. They left out the clause in this article that parents also benefit from heaps more money to pay for these (laughs) extracurricular activities. their own careers or their own downtime (laughs) or needing a nanny. This is annoying me, this article, because it's like, no, 
shit. Yeah. Like we want to give our kids the best thing possible. Like these things cost money. These things mm. take time. When you're two parents, you know, working your butts off full time to provide for your children and this article comes out saying, oh, you don't live in the good neighbourhood. Yeah. Like, oh, you're a shit parent. No, I'm living to provide for my kids. But like, I give wonder me a break. if there's ways that, I mean, obviously everyone's trying to be the best parent they can, yeah. but does this raise the fact that we need more free healthcare? You know, exactly. it's impossible to get a bulk bill yes. and appointment you've... at these times. And, you know, Absolutely. it's so hard to see a doctor after COVID because yes. you can't take them with a fever. It's the point is that these things should be available nationwide. Absolutely. And Claire, our producer, made the point, like, doesn't it take a village to raise a child? And this all comes down to communities and which is a social responsibility. Yep. You know, if you've got kids that don't have the opportunities because they live in a less wealthy area, mm. let's create those opportunities if it's in the data that it's going to benefit them then come on like it's our responsibility just because it's not our children it's also our responsibility and I have to say shout out to my mother's group and join a mother's group if you've got a baby because we're all you know we're all from the same area and it's a a well-off area however we all have very different parenting styles I was the pediatrician mum you know, a couple have got <laughs> sleep experts. And the great thing is we'll jump in the group and, you know, everyone's toilet training at the moment and say, I'm having this problem. Yeah. And so-and-so might have paid for an expert, but we're sharing the wisdom. And then 16 sure. of us in this WhatsApp group benefit from that. So totally. I think it's like you say, it's all about the village in that, yes, you might not be able to afford access to the expert opinion, but share it in your community Absolutely. and that's the way we get it going. Yeah. It's a very interesting article. I'd love people to read it, <sighs> see if they get as angry as Tegan. <laughs> yeah, I am like got ramped up. I don't think that was the point of this article, but I was and like, And your wow. kids are off to public school next year? Absolutely they are. They'll do fine. No. <laughs> I'm not an intensive parent, so I think they're going <laughs> to fail miserably. <laughs> Nails and fails, Lee Campbell. Okay, my fail, it's a few weeks ago now, but I'm not over it. (laughs) I literally listen to my voice. I'm still not over it. Alexander's surgery that was meant to happen, what, August? I don't know. Oh, God, the the never-ending surgery. Literally, (laughs) we had it in for the 1st of November. We were ready to go. Rich and I both tag team days off work. He and I got the sickest we have ever been. His fever was 40. The good thing was he was – because I rang the surgery the day before and I was like, look, he's sick. And they're like, ENT kids are always sick if he doesn't have a fever or a really bad – that's why we're operating. Correct. If he doesn't have a really bad cough, we can do it. But the morning we woke up of the surgery, he was 40 degrees. And then for six days after that, he was so sick. So – this never-ending bloody surgery will happen <laughs> in January. Third time lucky. Come on, But come it's on. just, you know, also as a parent and your child's having an operation, you're emotionally anxious. Even yeah. if you don't realise, you're kind of holding your breath. You want it to be over. Sure. You're We've got all the them. foods yeah. he's going to eat, all of that jazz. So You're an intensive parent. You're, I, busy, you're busy trying to do the best thing for your child. I was intensively tra- And it's, you know, it's not life-threatening, but he has sleep apnea. Like, it needs to happen. Yeah. And it's another like that's six months from when it was oh, meant to be that you he's totally. had to live with that. Yeah. So and you know what? So many parents on Instagram have been like, we had to reschedule five times. I'm like, oh, I'm glad oh. it's not just me. Yeah. And then everyone else is like, take him out of daycare for a week before the surgery to make sure he doesn't get sick. And yeah. I'm like, but that's three weeks of oh. work. I can't do that because yeah. I've got two week recovery anyway. Oh my gosh. Life. What's your fail? Life. My fail. Oh, so it was funny. My sister in law was over the other day, and she has a son called Louis and a son called Jude. And she cute was, names. Cute names, yeah. But she was in the middle of 
talking and she's like, oh, you know, and then I've got to get Dewey from. (laughs) And I started laughing so hard because she combined her kids' names together, obviously, and called the combat. I'm like, which one did you mean? And she's like, I meant Jude, but I said Dewey. And I said, it's so funny because I do that all the time with Indiana. So I'll go to say Indy, but I'll start saying Samara. So then I always end up calling her Cindy. (laughs) Are her kids twins? No. (laughs) No, they're two boys pretty close together. I think it's quite efficient. So I'll be like, Cindy. Get up here. Yeah. And then they're like, who's Cindy? <laughs> like both of you. Cindy and Dewey, go to your room. <laughs> I love it. So oh, the yeah. fail is not knowing your own I always do that. Like, I'm like, Rich, Mum, I mean. Alexander. Alexander, what's your name? <laughs> yes. It's hilarious. Yeah, and look, my mother-in-law, she's got, what, 10 grandchildren. So she'll oh. be like, Louie, come here. I'm like. That one's Banjo. Like, <laughs> That's a totally different Jude, family. That one's, yeah, t- yeah actually wrong, different father. <gasps> oh, my God, I love that. But, yeah, if you've got any name combinations, yeah. um, let us know, child name combinations. We've got Dewey and Cindy over I here. I like Dewey, like Dewey skin, I think. Yeah. yeah. It's a very moist name. Isn't it? Well, my nail, we yes. went out for dinner the other week and Alexander's pretty good for 20 minutes at a meal. Like, oh, we are yeah. like, no entrees, just main, quick, yeah, quick, quick. Yeah, it's got to be in Colouring, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Of course, we took the iPad, but he normally also, even on that, you know, at your house, 10 minutes he's done, wants to interact. He wanted to go on. (laughs) forbid the kid kid wants me to actually And also, I don't normally want him on the iPad for very long. (laughs) No. But. Intensive parents, you know, iPads are bad. (laughs) Correct. And of course, I'm already feeling guilty. I'm like, what are you watching? Like, we don't. I'm just trying to send an email. We don't even do YouTube kids because I'm like, I must choose what you're watching. Anyway. You know, when you were a little kid, you got to a stage where you loved getting under the table? Yeah. See, it wasn't until you told me about him sitting under the table the whole night that I was like, my kids always love to sit under oh, the table too. I guess too. it's like a cubby. And this restaurant had like a beautiful tablecloth. <laughs> it wasn't a fancy restaurant, but it looked really nice. And he said, can I go under the table? And I was like, oh, I wonder how dirty it is. But sure. Under he goes with his iPad. We had a glass of wine. We had entree in Maine. I was like, do you want your chips, buddy? I passed him his bowl of chips. <laughs> Harry Potter in the cupboard. Seriously, I think other tables were like, where's that noise coming from? Because you could hear a very faint yeah. iPad and a child like talking, but Great. it just looked like a couple at dinner. And then when you walked off, they'd be like, where did that couple just steal that little boy <laughs> yeah, from? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But if your kid's at that age and you desperately need a date night, under the table. Like buy a schnitzel, get a child free. <laughs> Totally. It was a weird. What's your nail? Oh my gosh. We had a first, a little milestone. Well, actually, technically, it wasn't the first. Samara knocked her tooth out when she was one. Oh, But she doesn't remember that, and that was traumatic. So she lost her first tooth. I can't believe you're at that stage. I know. And it is quite early. And the reason that this tooth did fall out, I'm assuming, is because it's the bottom to the top one that she lost. It was working in overdrive. It's been getting munched on quite a lot over the last few years. So she lost her first tooth. When did kids lose teeth? Well, you know, they're nearly five. They usually lose about five, six. Okay. So, yes, it was our first tooth fairy visit. I had no idea what the tooth fairy does these days because... (laughs) Hundred bucks. I haven't had a visit, you know. Like back in my day, it was coins. Gold like coin. I don't even know where coins are these also, days. Also, who has cash? Than... Exactly. So, yes, the tooth fairy was scurrying around <laughs> the house. Do you, have, do you have tap and go? Looking <laughs> yeah, for 
some cash. What'd you find? Well, we could only find yellow ones. And we're oh, like, that is, if. yeah, no, you wish, girlfriend. That's what I was thinking. So we eventually found a little tenner because we thought for her that's, first yeah, for her first good. one, she can have a ten. From I, now on, it will be $5. I even think that's pushing it. I was a 50 cents girl yeah, back in my I'd day. I'd go down to $2. I have an interesting question. The twins, did the other one feel left out? Yeah, so it's funny. I actually wrote about this on my Instagram because my whole twin parenting life, I've tried so hard to make sure they're individuals. But then, like, when something happens for one of them, I feel really bad for the other. Like, in case they feel, like, left out. So, no, Indy was really cute. She was, like, because she lost it in the morning, Samara wanted to take the tooth to school for the day. Don't tell me you've kept it. Yes, absolutely. I'm definitely that mother. I'll be keeping all my my children's tooth. Once I thought I lost this tooth that Samara knocked out. What are you going to do with them? Make a necklace? No, I just put them in the little jar. That's disgusting and unnecessary. No, because my mom kept my teeth and I used to love looking at them. That's weird. And like, I still do. I still would. Uh, Yeah, I love it. So what did you do with the other twin? Yes. So look, she was really excited. Like I said, Sammy, you can take it to school, but I'm going to put in a little Ziploc bag and sticky tape. You're not allowed to take it out of the bag because if you lose it, then the tooth fairy won't be able to come. And so Indy like the whole way was like, Sammy, you can't take it out of the bag. Like she was so worried for Sammy. Like she can't lose it. She was very protective of Samara's tooth. And you know what? Indy was wrote a letter to the tooth fairy saying that she'll hopefully lose her tooth soon so she can come and visit her soon too. So I think she was happy for her sister and I like I didn't feel as bad as I thought I would. I was like, oh, my God, do you want me to knock your tooth out so the tooth fairy can visit you too? Oh, that's so sweet. Oh, oh my anyway, God, you've yes, got real kids. Tooth, I've got real life big kids. It's no, happening. Can't. Oh, my gosh. Well, thanks. I'm going to be broke all those teeth. Yeah, too many <laughs> kids, add up. man. Go down to $2, trust me. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this glorious mess. Get in touch with us. Our email address is TG at mamamia.com.au or join our parenting group Mamma Mia Family on Facebook. This episode was produced by Claire O'Halloran. See you next week. Bye.